Welcome back to Oysters, Clams, and Cockles, the former number one Game of Thrones podcast in the realm, now bringing you the best TV shows and movies weekly in an easily digestible podcast packed with laughs by me, Ross Bolin, and my good friend, Mr. Barrett Dudley Barrett. How are you doing on this Thursday evening? We're recording a little bit later this week. A little bit later. The uh, The schedule was wonky. We had to... Uh we had to see our movie, obviously. Oh, yeah. We saw it, our movie club movie of the month for Patreon. Yes, yeah. There was a lot to watch, to catch up on. So, you know, I just got, this past weekend, I got absolutely nothing done with the LSU-Texas game going on. Football being a bunch of friends in town. Football is back. Monday night was the Texans. So that, you know, it was just a whole thing. And so we're, we are a little later than usual this week. It's just one more dark thing we're watching is, uh, is a Texans game Te- each Sunday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm, that true. goes down horribly and is heartbreaking, yes. Um, but, you know, we're here, and we are ready to talk by pushing this back. We are now, we will, we've, we're finished with Mindhunter. We'll be, we'll be closing, at, closing out season, season two of Mindhunter, which is exciting because now we get to move on to, uh, to, some, to some other shows that I'm really looking forward to, namely The Righteous Gemstones, which we'll cover on our, our Patreon. Yeah. Patreon.com slash Oysters Claims Cockles. Indeed. And then uh, probably going to start the boys here. Oh, man. Yeah. Is it time? I think it's time. I oh, think it is time. God, yes. It, feel, it feels like time. Yeah. So. It feels like time. People who have been screaming, the boys, the boys, watch the goddamn boys. We're going to watch the boys. All right? The boys. Just relax. Just relax. Stop screaming at us. The boys. It'll be fine. Uh, I, you know what I've been doing since we last, uh, since since the people last heard our voices. I've literally been in the theater watching it, chapter two, this entire time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The movie yeah. is seven hundred and forty six hours long. That's what they're saying. That is what uh, they're saying. Barrett and I did a review of it on Patreon.com slash Oysters Clams Cockles. As I mentioned, as our movie club, each month we pick a movie and we review it on Patreon, and that's the one we went with this month. And I'll just say this: it's a little bit of a roast. I I went in on it a bit. Um, now we do, well, you'll have to listen to hear anything more than that. That's all I'll give you today. Yeah. Um, I'm stoked for all the topics we have today. We're obviously going to get, obviously, like Barrett said, Secession, Episode 5, Closing Out Mindhunter Season 2. I've got a couple random things I've been watching that I wanted to bring up and discuss as well. Uh, so we're going to have some fun. Let's do it. Today's episode of OCC is brought to you by Stance. If you've noticed or started seeing or hearing a whole bunch of ads for socks, it feels like everyone just used to wear normal shitty regular white socks and suddenly you're noticing some people have flashier socks and socks are like a hot button topic. Nobody used to talk about socks. Now there's all this noise about socks. Why is that? Stance changed the game when it comes to socks. They brought creativity, design, and quality to what was once a boring accessory. There are plenty of pretenders, but Stance started it all. These are the best socks in the entire freaking world. They're butter blend socks. Barrett, the, the comfort level. I, I'm, I'm, I'm wearing slip-on shoes today, and underneath you can see that I have on beautiful, beautiful butter blend. Oh, yeah, baby. These are the, uh, the uh, I like to call them the gamu. Those are no-show butter blends. No-show butter blends, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and the uh, gamu fit. Yeah, G-A- yeah. G-A-M-U-T is how you spell that if you're on stance.com looking for the uh, the no-shows in the butter blend. Oh, yeah. Or just the regular no-shows. Anyway, yeah, stance is, uh, stance is great. There's something else. The greatest socks in the world. The pair I'm actually wearing right now is the first pair of butter blends I ever bought. And uh, just ironically, now I have like 20 pairs because they're the most comfortable socks in the world. But Santa, People are calling you a butter boy. They have been. Yeah. They have been calling me a butter boy. And when I wear my butter Yeezys with my butter blend, it's a, it's a whole other thing. And my feet, they're just pancakey. you know? Ah, uh, yeah. I just need some syrup on those babies and you could eat them up. Nom, 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 nom. But Stance is the greatest, and they have. It's also the official sock of the MLB. Professionals recognize style, comfort, and durability. Uh, it, I could not speak more to how much I love this brand and these socks. It's awesome that they are now a sponsor. They have great offer for you guys, Clam Fam. If you go to stance.com slash dragon, you'll get a free pair of socks with purchase. All you have to do is go to S-T-A-N-C-E dot com slash dragon to get your free pair of socks. This is a limited time offer, so take advantage today. Go to stance.com slash dragon now. If they're not stance, they are just socks. 
We've spoken to what's coming on Patreon in September. We already did a deep dive of Succession for the first half of the season. Had a great, colorful one-hour conversation, the two of us. We had a lot of fun. Uh, then we did our movie club, It Chapter 2, and we are doing The Righteous Gemstones. And then finally, if you're in the, a member of our Mollusk Militia, you will get our Mollusk Militia exclusive hotline call extravaganza at the end of this month as well. Barrett, are you ready to jump in to Secession Episode 5? I am, Yes. Turnhaven. Turnhaven. Is the name of the the sode. Yeah. And I'll just come out and say it. For me up front, this was my favorite episode of the season so far. This was everything I want about this show. Okay. Uh, kind of encapsulated in one sode. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Loved it. Um, yeah. I don't think that this is my number one, but it was a wonderful hour of television. How awkward. How very, very awkward some of it was. You know, obviously, as we've said many times, it's always fun when this show puts everybody in one place. Yeah. And then just like lets it rip. Uh, Going into this episode, I thought that we might have a few more fireworks, which is maybe why like I don't have it as my number one, because the last time that we put everybody in like a massive castle... Uh, bore on the floor happened. Yeah. And the time before that, when we had everybody in a Hamptons house, we got like some of the most intense father-daughter bonding moments ever. And also he talked about how the cheesemonger left his dick in the brie. Right. And then also there was a bunch of dead animals stuff- stuffed in the in the, uh, in the the chimney. Uh-huh. So, you know, uh, like our other kind of like we're at a big nice house episodes had just like something kind of wild happen. But I'll say for me in this episode, the dinner was that. Well, so what I, what I really, really liked about the dinner what I ended up liking about it is how nuanced and kind of subtle the awkward moments were. Yeah. Like there wasn't a big blow up. There everybody, was not a big explosion. Everybody was just like kind of tiptoeing around each other. It was incredibly subtle. Trying awkward. not to like say the wrong thing or get into a huge fight. So that was really, really fun to watch. Um, I, I think for me, uh, just just to jump right in and talk about yeah. favorite moments and or favorite pairings even. Um Connor getting uh, getting like argumentative with the with like the liberal dude. Yes, dude. The the crackpot liberal. The crackpot liberal. Yeah. But then like them sharing a bottle of port and he gives him the state department. Like, yes. That was so perfect and hilarious. And it's and it's probably how things and have happened. Pro- and it's basically points. yes. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I loved that. That was uh, that was unbelievable, dude. We reached like. Meet the parents' levels of awkwardness at some points in this episode, which is really fucking hard to do. But I, I, I get your I get your point why you say it's not your number one or definitively. But that that was why it definitively is my number one so far, because of how awkward and horrifying they were able to make this entire experience of the Pierces and the Roys meeting and how it goes so wrong for every single one of our characters, yeah. including Logan. The whole episode is a fucking disaster. And I loved that, that they were able to accomplish that without anything really... Nobody died. No bore on the floor, like you mentioned. No yeah, dead animals. Yeah. Nothing crazy dramatic. And yet, the episode was a total shit show because nobody knew how to handle the Pierces. Uh, yes. It turns out the Roys are incredibly unequipped <laughs> socially if the fucking... Pressure is on. Yeah, every yeah. single one of them. Well, choke. and maybe just in general, and maybe in general, like for real, they when, can't deal with anyone that's not them. Exactly. I was just about to say when you think about it, when you when we think about their interactions, they essentially don't interact with anybody that is not either like in their inner circle or part of the help. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when you bring in an outside family and force them to a table, yeah. Holy shit! That no one. Should be the, nobody. At the, uh, it was unbelievable. Even the people who found a counterpoint, like Connor and the crackpot liberal, yeah, it was still a disaster. Yeah, no, put, putting a microscope on how these people like basically couldn't even do their job of kind of glad handing, you yeah. know, the, the these people that they want, whose company they want, right? Was like a re- was again a nice kind of nuanced way to basically say like. These people are shit. They're not good at anything. They're, they're masterful ju- they're... at manipulating each other. <laughs> no one else. But no one else, yeah. Which is, that was sort of a curveball for me. Like, I did not see that coming, that they were going to be so bad at playing the game with the Pierces. Like, I loved that that was the way it went, obviously. Mm-hmm. But holy shit, dude. Uh, it, it Siobhan 
fell to pieces. It was like she had never met another human being before. Uh, yes. The part where she breaks and just says, shit, dad, tell them it's going to be me or whatever. That was the point where we reached meet the parents yeah, levels. That, yeah. I was like, Shiv, no. Like that was the last nail in the coffin of Shiv having any shot of being you, the succeeder. You got to gotta be Why right. can't I remember the word successor? <laughs> Succeeder? Sorry. Succeeder. Go, go ahead. Uh, you got to be ready if you're going to hang out with Shiv for, you know, for the barbs. That's just how she lets it fly. And um, I did enjoy hers about the guy getting his double his double doctorate. Yes. Uh, he's like, oh, man, wow. Now you're going to be able to save the 12 seconds that it takes to look up something on Wikipedia. Fantastic. <laughs> Dude, what a dig. Yeah. No, she's great, but she just totally botched. I mean, she has continued to, they show us and, and they paint it in this episode so perfectly. The second that she got the target on her back, she started to slip up. And she's been slipping up every episode ever since. And watching her explode at the table finally, not be able to take it anymore, her dad sort of stringing her out. It almost made me finally realize like, holy shit, that was sort of part of the test. He was not going to formally announce. Well, obviously, he's also using her to string himself out and be the. He's doing the Tony Soprano, Junior Soprano thing, but it it still felt like he was. He did indeed at eventually intend on actually letting her succeed. So, interesting point. I'm not totally sold on that. Okay, I, I agree with I. I I like where I like where you're going with like that the the fact that he was kind of not coming right out with it was a piece of the test for her. Sure. But he's also old as shit and it's not like she's 25. Right. So it's not like you you know I I I think and and then, you know, just to to kind of finish out this this meaty part of the episode, he ends up winning this battle. Right, he gets his way. He doesn't have to announce her as the successor. Right, and it, he could not be more proud of himself. And when when speaking to the end, I'm like speaking just to the, the way this all yeah, wraps up. The the way that it all wraps up. Where by the way, remember, I, I I was I was so personally, I was very pleased and proud of myself during the final meeting between Nan and uh and the the, the main Roy's. Oh, oh, because yeah, yeah, when she I was the because I had because I was like, oh my god, I called it. This is it. I, this is exactly what I said that Shiv was going to be in a position with the leverage, like that they were going. The Pierce family was they basically gonna, basically going to be like, yeah, but we need Shiv. That's that's the cog in this deal. Logan right. says fuck off. No, calls their bluff basically and bounces and then wins. So I was like, no, she doesn't have the leverage because Logan still has it because well, he gets the phone call. Right. Right. Th- yeah. Then lets him know. And then at the end, they're all celebrating. Yeah. And he just gives Shiv that look and then walks up the stairs. And that What whole, was that look to you? So that, that whole thing, the whole thing just says to me, he has zero intention of ever naming any one of these kids his successor. Okay. So you think they, it's almost like it is literally, I mean, that, that I love that point because it's like it turned this episode, this show, this episode turned this show into almost to show you it is the Roys versus the Roys. Yeah. And, you know and I mean? it's Logan is, versus his kids, is, the kids versus each other. He's so proud. He has so much hubris. He is so like cocksure that he is the only person that knows what is right and what to do for this company. Yeah. That he has zero intention of giving it to any of these kids. Yeah, it's almost like it's a battle against like father time though. He's on he's unwilling to admit that he could be unfit. Right. That he could age to a point where he shouldn't be oh, the guy. Absolutely he's unwilling. And on top of that, I think a sourness has evolved. It's like I think in these families, in these positions where there's great wealth involved and and uh, obviously generational wealth and inheritances and uh fucking trust funds, it becomes sort of a point of contention for the elders, for especially if it's the elder who if it's the person who made the family name. That all these scumbags are going to get to live off your hard work, your dime, your genius. Yeah. And to accomplish as much as a man like Logan Roy would have or any great person in, throughout history that accumulates billions of dollars. Um, it doesn't Great doesn't necessarily have to mean good, by the way. I mean great in terms of accomplishment sure. and in terms of weight. Yep. Uh, I think those people often find themselves resenting 
everyone in the generations below them for that very reason. Including their own kids. Including their own children. And it can turn to a situation where it's like this, where he doesn't want any of them to get any of it, really. Yeah, and we've, I mean, we've talked about how, how Shiv is really the only child that makes sense to even be the successor. Right. There's no way that you're giving it to your crackhead kid. No. And you cannot do the job. (laughs) Roman is a stunted adolescent in a man's body or a half man's body. Yeah. Half who, man. who needs to go back to uh what does he call it? Business kindergarten or something? <laughs> yes. Like it, it, the, the fact that he tells him not to bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> Son, I'm proud of you, but also don't bring it up. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell that anybody that... that this is happening. Uh the fact that Roman even thinks that he has a shot is weird. Is kind of stu- is kind of ridiculous. You surely you would know. Yeah, that, him saying like my life just ended yeah. and all that was that was a miss for me because I I couldn't you I couldn't know, wrap man. my yeah I couldn't wrap my head around him not knowing he's certainly not the dude. Yeah, I like I, dude, you are in business. I guess you can just like convince yourself that there's a delusionally that there's a chance if you you know. I th- if I'm him and I'm looking at his character, that's the guy shooting for CFO or CCO or C whatever, some other C. Yeah, right where he is, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just coast. Yeah, just bro. Coast, you're bro. in a good spot as an executive. Why are you crying and and, and being weird? So Why? we, we, we kind of know that it can't be one of those two. Neither of them is even close to fit to not actually capable. running this empire. Right. And so then to, then to see that like in actuality – Logan doesn't even really think that Shiv is good enough to do it. Right. That That's my takeaway, is that even Siobhan, for all her accomplishments and for being the kid with the, with, with the rightest head on her shoulders at this point, doesn't really meet Logan's expectations. Is any part of that because she's a woman? I mean, yes, I, I think totally. Okay. Absolutely. Okay, because I think, is that part of why his new wife is yeah, so upset because, with yes, him? Yes, because he doesn't really respect Marsha either. Okay. Abs- and we and saw a lot of that. Sees, too, and I she- think Marsha sees he doesn't respect women, period. He yes. won't even name his goddamn daughter, who's the obvious who's choice. Who's the obvious choice. Because she can see it like we can. Yeah. Um, I thought that that was cool that they introduced the element of his, his wife starting to give him shit, too. Yeah. And she, her getting a little tipsy. You want another glass of wine? And he's like, no, we're good, because he's trying to keep everybody from flying off the yeah. rails. And she's like, yes. <laughs> Bring it to me. It reminded me of somebody that we've once experienced. But, uh, man, I, I I just, like, that was the thing. There was all the... And then <laughs> poor fucking Tom, dude. They go in with the, the exact situation you and I had talked about, that this was very much going to be the liberal family and the Republican family, the old school liberal bastion and the Republicans. And they came in and made Tom the fucking scapegoat <laughs> and told him point blank, he's going to be the dude that's take, biting that's the bullet. wearing the hair shirt. <laughs> yes, wearing the hair shirt if, if they bring up the politics of it all. And Logan's deference to him, I guess... Uh, when he, the way he just, he's not even good at playing it off. He's like, oh, no, I'm not even involved in the day-to-day. That's, uh, yeah, no, that's that guy down there. That's Tom. <laughs> and Tom's like, hi, guys, it's me, Tom. He's like, he knows he has to do the job or whatever. But then it obviously becomes a sad thing when you find out Tom is doing the job, biting the bullet, basically as a seat holder for yeah. someone else eventually. Nobody right. is going to let Tom run news, especially if they combine with one of the other biggest billion-dollar news industries in the world. Yeah, Tom is Tom is seriously screwed here. Uh, and they're, they're definitely starting to make him a more sympathetic character as yeah. these episodes go by. Because he's just getting his ass He's kicked. just getting his ass handed to him left and right. And he's, he's clearly just... I think we already kind of knew that he was a punching bag, but they were really laying into him this season and just kind of like tossing all the shit on him. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's, so. he's the, for real, he has become like the family scapegoat. And the sad thing is like his wife doesn't have his back. She doesn't really give a shit. She's way too caught up in her own battle, right? In her own falling apart. She's a total disaster. Uh, I don't know what he does from here, man. I really don't know what the move is. Where did he end up? Remind me in this episode. Was there any type of conclusion with Tom and his? Yeah, he. I mean, wh- after dinner, and he talks to Shiv, and he's like, "It'd be nice if you had my back." They're going in pretty hard on me in there, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Then there is the then there's the deal making between Nan and Logan, right? Where she tries to install Shiv as the successor. And Logan says, fuck off. And Logan says, fuck off. But one of their other like pieces of the negotiation is that there's no way Tom remains the head of news. 
Okay, yeah. She says, like, I'm not having that man run news. And in mainly because they've used him as the scapegoat. It's not as... I don't think she knows much else about Tom, probably. No, they... they it, the title is all they needed to hear. Oh, this dude's running ATN? Like, yeah, fuck that. Yeah. So he was always going to be Which, the guy Which, you know, and just to talk a little bit more about that, it, it, it he was so meek at the dinner table with, yeah. with you know, like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, you know me, I'm it's, just a piece of dirt. I'm a scumbag, yeah. Um, you know, it's so they're all he's such like a small player to them that they don't I don't even think that they can see that this dude is clearly just like a pawn over here. Like yeah. he didn't he come on, l- l- look into it. Look, get your files out. Understand that this man just married into this family right. and got appointed to a seat that that sounded cushy. How many more episodes do we have? I think three, maybe only two, though. Dude, I'm more, I think there's only seven in the season. I think I think eight. One, two, three, four. Five, six. Okay, maybe we're okay. Maybe we're, maybe there's eight. One, two. Oh wait, no, no, four more. I think. So maybe nine. Nine. Why are we? <laughs> why are we doing nine episodes of seasons now? Ah, uh, that's. I don't know. I, I don't know. What the fuck happened to an even number? We're really breaking the wheel out there. A good even number makes me feel nice and comfy. Uh, okay, so nine. I got really concerned. Like on the fucking Uber ride over here, I was like, wait a minute, are there only like two left? Because that would suck. They. I think they're really picking up steam here, and I'm. I mean, dude. When the wheels start to pop off with this family, uh, magic happens. We saw it in season one. It made us a, a new show to be obsessed with. And the wheels are popping the hell off for every single one of these people at this point. Logan's got all of his kids, other than Kendall, are going to despise him at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, his wife is upset with him as well. He has to contend with these pierces for at least another episode. We're going to be with the pierces again next week, I've, at least based on the preview, it looks like. Um, Kendall, obviously, is not going to be the successor. He is... Spy- I mean, th- Dude, did you like the way that he was used in this episode? I did, yeah. I thought it was... Um, nice little twist there to have it actually play out it, well. That it, yeah, that his addiction... Worked in his favor. Works in their in the family's favor. And yeah. I also love that like they had their addict in their family as well for him to like go and Yeah. And it's funny because that is like as a dude who is probably falls into that category, you do see that in other people. Like it's very much like a birds of a feather situation when you're around other pieces of shit. You just <laughs> you just know, like you see that in other people. So I, I thought that was cool. Do you think that Whenever they do like a like a Kendall getting messed up scene, uh-huh. and Jeremy Strong kind of has to get you know into like that strung out mentality. Yes, he has the most like yellowy smile. Yes, and I can't. I wonder that has to be a. Di- they're like, let's meth up your teeth real quick, right? They have for sure made his teeth more yellow. Surely that guy isn't walking around with that meth smile. I. I- Obviously, you're exaggerating. It's not. It's definitely not meth smile. But yes, there are points where if you watch and Kendall smiles, he looks like, like he smokes a pack a day. You're like, God damn, those are yellow teeth. Yeah, like fool, you need to go to the dentist. Which surely I, I'm with you. That, that has to be intentional. I think it's, based yeah. on his character's mistreatment of his so. body. Yeah. Otherwise, we're just shaming the fuck out of the actor's <laughs> teeth right now. Which hey, man, listen, there's there's a solution there, and it's to brush more and then and then see a dentist. And also, you're a fucking rich Hollywood actor. Get yourself a yeah, get some whitening uh, job. Yeah, there you go. Or buy yourself a hundred thousand dollar pair of dentures. Those things are dope. They never go yellow. They that, can't. It's a very good point. It's yeah. impossible. Um, good shit though, man. Just really, really good shit all over the place. I loved Nan. The casting job there was phenomenal. She had the perfect liberal elite like Christian uh, motherly vibe that like better than everybody, but then secretly. Under it all, she knows it's just a fucking game. Yeah, yeah, I like um, that. The yes, yeah, speaking of, you mentioned the they're they're kind of like uh, piety, uh, but they are devout, as she said. We're, we've we've become so unitarian here that uh, that we say grace with Shakespeare, not Jesus. <laughs> dude, that was un um, un that was awesome. Dude. That was hilarious. And uh, of course, Logan's favorite Shakespeare quote is uh, "Take the fucking money." Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is well, another was... one of the great moments in this episode. That's not just a good moment. That's a great moment. That's great writing. That's Look, fucking man, hilarious. I, 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 you, everybody knows if you're listening to OCC that we ride for this show. I just cannot say enough. Like there, there just are so few shows where I'm watching them and like I feel giddy 
about how fun and good they are. And like, this is that's this the feeling is, I this go is for. one of the shows. I yeah. don't I don't know if that's how it is for everybody or if it's just for us as a result of our jobs, but th- that's what I want. It isn't as a re- you know what? It's always how it's been for me. If I'm watching something in a, in a performance and it's going really well, that is a huge part of the enjoyment for me. Yeah, I mean knowing that they are succeeding and executing it the way it's supposed to be done. Yes, I'm. I am a uh, to to put it in you know metaphorical terms. I am a pig rolling around in shit when I am watching this show. It's the best. Like I'm just I'm just loving it. I'm lo- I'm I'm Kramer. I'm loving every minute of it. Before we move on, I, I we have to touch on Roman a little bit more. Um, very clear. Okay, so what's his wife girlfriend's name? Tabitha. Tabitha. They're just boyfriend girlfriend, right? They are boyfriend girlfriend. They are in a relationship where but they do not consummate, and she's aware of that. Very clearly aware of yeah, their, the, yeah. his sexual issues, and it's something that they even make fun of and talk about together. Yes, yes. Uh, but he is whatever. I don't know what the I, what the exact terminology is, but he's one of these shame people. He wants to be shamed, and that's it. That's the way he gets off. And for whatever reason, I guess. Well, I mean, he's he he might have more going on than that since his first kink that he tries to get Tabitha to work in with him is, is that he wants straight have- straight into. Uh, what is it Necrophilia. called? Necrophilia. Necrophilia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. When he goes so far as to explain to her that her, her vagina should not be moist, to be as a result because <laughs> a corpse wouldn't be. You, that's you're right, Barrett. That yeah, that, it, yeah. So that took pretty, it to a whole other level. Pretty severe. Yeah. So perhaps it is a little bit more than just good old fashioned pay pig type of shame Kink, loving kinkery. Yeah. Uh, yes. Now, I can't wait to find out what happened to that guy. By the way, I love that they're going the route. Like, I was worried when you and I first started asking questions about his sexuality that they would never veer that way. Yeah, I wasn't sure they would. And they have very much veered that we're, way. We're, Holy we're, shit. Yeah, we're investigating it. I, now, what's Jerry doing in all this? She's clearly not hating it. I think she knows she can use it. Okay. And you know how when she's up against the door, it's like she feels bad for Roman. I yeah. think there also yeah. is sort of a motherly thing there yes. for her. yeah. But then also it's like he's Logan's son. Surely this will pay off for her at some point. And she's been getting dumped on quite a bit recently with like the, even Jerry would know she couldn't do the fucking job. And she's like, what did she say? Uh, she goes, be the first person to admit she couldn't do the job. And she's like, well, maybe the maybe second, the person. second person. Yeah. And Jerry's another example of Logan being a masochist is not masochist, misogynist, misogynist pig. And, uh, yeah, the, the dominant submissive dynamic with Jerry and, and Roman is going to get really fucking weird, man. Yeah. <laughs> it already has. What am I saying? How could it get weird? It is very much weird already. Oh, is there anything else we need to touch on? I think that we've basically covered everything. We've covered all the main, <laughs> main players, you know, we did, we don't get a whole lot of Greg in this episode, which, which I'm, is a bummer. which I'm always, but I'm always okay with <laughs> it. Because it's like it's you a know, good strategy. It's a great strategy. You don't want to over you you don't you can't overplay that hand if you're this show. See again, you, perfect you know, example. You no, know we like Greg. Yes. Now don't give us too much of him. It's a perfect example of why this show is so good. Yeah. That right there, and that's the kind of thing you got to look for, man. They know they've got something special with Greg, but if you overplay that hand, yeah, fucking. So he ruins pops it. up at the end just to be a little. You know, ah, congratulations. Yeah, you won. <laughs> well, I'm going by Gregory now. Going by Gregory because <laughs> he's gotten a promotion. <laughs> He's not Greg anymore, Barrett. He's a fucking man. He's an executive. He's he, Gregory. So I guess he's Gregory the Eggery now. You know where this goes, right? You know this ends with Greg Running being news? above Tom. Yeah, probably. And Tom losing his goddamn mind and murdering Greg or something. Like, <laughs> it, that's, I, I don't know where it goes for Tom, but it's it's down, further down. Well, before... yeah, we talked about the kids. I guess, I guess one question, I, I mean, what does Shiv do now? Dude, I don't know how she... She's in a spot where it's sort of still delicate, right? Obviously, like the the Pierces want her. Her dad said, "Fuck off." The Pierces caved anyway, but it appears there's going to be more conversation had here. And based on our, we've already said they're the. She is the obvious choice, no matter what. Really, I don't know how they could possibly go another route other than her eventually being named. So, just a quick question for you here, just you know kind of talk about going forward do you think that this season ends with some type of comeuppance for logan or do you think he kind of wins this season and we punt any like failures to next season i don't think i would i would prefer we see logan on a down on a downside at the end of the season i, I don't want to see him in the in the power seat again at the end of last season the whole season was about logan struggling to maintain mm-hmm. his seat then he did and he gets it and he's had it yes for this into, for 
all of season two. And we've seen things falter for him, but we've also seen him come back and kick ass. And it's like, I, I, I would rather see him in a position of yeah. being weakened than I would have, again, he's back on top and yeah, everything worked yeah. out for Logan. Things are very much going his way right now. So it, it, it definitely feels like he's he's about he's to, to take a fall. Because yeah. some of this stuff's going his way in spite of his failures, right. which feels like it's a setup for an eventual actual fucking failure. Loving it, though. Thoroughly enjoying it. We'll talk more secession, obviously next week. This episode of Oysters, Clams, and Cockles is also brought to you by Lisa. I would argue that your mattress is up there with your TV in terms of purchases and important purchases that you make for your home. Uh, So if your mattress is kind of shitty, or you don't even remember where it came from, or you don't wake up every morning feeling like you won the lottery because your mattress is so damn comfortable, it's time to change it up and get a Lisa. These are the greatest, most comfortable beds in the freaking world. Lisa knows how important rest is to a better life. Lisa is the foundation of a healthier, happier you. And to Lisa, a bed is more than just a place to sleep. It's a place for relaxation and rest. All Lisa products have been thoughtfully designed to go beyond creating a comfortable bed to transform your bedroom into a sanctuary you actually want to spend time in. As I mentioned, their most advanced luxury hybrid mattress is the one that I have. It's also the one that Barrett chose from Lisa. Oh boy, you know it. Phenomenal bed. The most comfortable bed I have ever laid eyes or body on. Made with premium foams and springs for enhanced pressure relief with edge-to-edge support. The hybrid thoughtfully designed with the best of both worlds. Lisa believes all people should have access to deep rest and relaxation and as such they make it easy for their customers to know they've made the right choice through their social impact initiatives tied to each purchase. Lisa donates one mattress for every 10 they sell through organizations that work in causes like foster care prevention. To date, they have donated more than 33,000 mattresses through more than 1,000 nonprofits. Lisa mattresses are made in the USA. In-home delivery and setup is available. Financing is also available. Do not miss out, Clam Fam. Live healthier, live happier by resting deeper. Order today and get 15% off any mattress for a limited time at lisa.com slash dragon. Use the promo code dragon. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash dragon. Promo code Dragon Barrett, are you ready to close out Mind Hunter season two? Let's close it out, okay? And hopefully, we actually wrap things up, unlike those all those bastards in Atlanta. Yeah, what the hell? Uh, I'll just come out and start with I was disappointed by season two as a whole. I was a little disappointed. I liked it. I didn't love it. I thought it was not a step forward necessarily from season one. It was a little bit. It was sort of. More of the same with a few different wrinkles, but I just, I, I hate the pace of the BTK thing. And I knew we weren't going to get anywhere with that because the BTK killer didn't get caught till like 2008 or some fucking crazy shit. Five, yeah. 2005. But so, yeah. But I hate, I hate that we're not getting into, into like, we started to, we started to get into investigations and help with the police work and like, but we're not on one of the huge cases that I want to see us on chasing one of these guys that we know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I was not... Well, I'll, okay. I, I voiced some, some minor concerns after the first third of the season. Right. Then I, re- I started enjoying it a lot more with, uh, in the second third when they kind of start investigating the, the Atlanta child murders. And then after the final third... I felt pretty good about this. I will I will acknowledge though that some of that is after reading a little bit more about the show and about the FBI's behavioral science unit and about just kind of like doing a little bit of a dive and like getting some more backstory that the show doesn't give you on its surface is like extremely helpful to kind of like understand where they're going with all of this. Yeah, and I get that it's supposed to be frustrating too. Yes, and like a, a, one of the major themes of the season, I thought, is basically that like what they're trying to do is make a science out of something that is not scientific. Right. And so it, it's when Holden, I, I, like I thought like one of the key moments is when Tench was basically kind of blows up on him on, on Holden after Holden accuses him of like being half in. Right. And he's like, start showing some fucking professionalism and don't, and stop making it look like we got off the plane with like a, a profile with a guy we wanted to catch. And now that's the only thing we're just making this so that it fits the profile we got off the plane with. Right. Like there's a second half to this, which still actually requires you to do legwork, right? The police work. The police work. You have, yeah. you, it, even though you're, 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 attempting to like build out this profile and build out this kind of this text that you that other 
that that down the road you'll be able to refer to. It's like you can't just you can't put your blinders on. You're right. No, that's so, that's absolutely sort of what one of the main points of the season became was that it like all right, what was the deal, right? New boss, everybody loves Holden. He's the all-star. Everybody needs to nurture him. But what do we find? Holden by himself is not going to get the fucking job done. Right. Uh, you need Bill Tinch. You need old-fashioned police work. You need the psychologist. You need some other elements to make this all fit. And to your point, this is obviously pre-CSI. This is pre a lot of the technology that we now have with which to chase criminals. And uh, you needed that piece too. And they didn't have that shit yet. The science wasn't there. Part of it yeah. was the problem. Like they didn't have the stuff that we have. Uh, so they couldn't catch some of these dudes. And on top of that, uh, obviously, as I mentioned, the show is meant to be frustrating because this was a very frustrating situation. Totally. These counties not communicating state to state, uh, not communicating, police departments having no idea that they're actually chasing the same person, situations in Atlanta, like where race was heavily involved. Politics, and in bureaucratic politics. red tape, like <clears throat> everybody just gunning for re-election. Like, yes. Like the entire, yeah. So this season did a good job of painting that up. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. I think- Whenever you look back on a season of a series, like The Wire is always a great example. Like, did it have a theme? What was the theme of the season? Did you have a takeaway? And if the answer is yes, then even if it wasn't your favorite, typically I'm okay. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and this had that. So, uh, once again, these are not totally original thoughts, but another theme of this season and one that helps with, like, all the BTK flashbacks is that all the beats, everything that we see with the BTK, right? Go just like we 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 just said. You have to go in knowing that that guy doesn't actually ever get caught, basically, yeah. until he's inactive. Essentially, yeah, he doesn't get caught until two thousand five. He has an incredible run, and so all of those scenes are are basically meant to like parallel what is going on with the behavioral sciences the sciences unit and their investigation into other killers and their profiling of the ones that have been caught. Right. So for this one, what we basically like, what we see BTK doing is a bunch of a ritualistic shit, right? Right. And th- that was a big piece of this season is quote unquote ritual. Yes. And uh, even even so far as like little uh, little Bry, little Brian, yeah, like thinks that a societal ritual of like Christianity and and putting somebody on a cross, right? Like that's like it all kind of like boils down to basically what you think you can do to make something like make sense to try to control to it. try to control it yeah yeah and so I, yeah the, how much did you know about the Atlanta child murders by the way going into this season uh very 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 little okay i was basically blind on this yeah. and like and like i said i didn't bother to look any of it up because I just wanted to see how it played out on the season. Well, yeah. That's one of the hardest things is not to Google. I had no idea that they basically went unsolved. Right. They they catch this guy, but after that, now you go look at that and there's a lot of ifs and buts and like maybes and who knows and a lot of people aren't sure that this guy is actually guilty. So the dude they pulled over... That had all the shit in his car. Wayne Bertram Williams. Yeah. That's the guy they end up taking in. Yeah. And I'll ask. I'll just ask this way: From what you saw on screen, did were you like, "Oh, this is the guy"? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It was like this is clearly the fucking guy. Yeah. Um. But there is a shit ton of doubt that it that it was not, and that they just picked him because fuck it. Now we're done. You know, sweep all these black kids under the under the rug, and it's over. Um, that's why there's a podcast about this, by the way, that would have yeah, the Atlanta so, monster. So as soon as they said, as soon as that newspaper came out and they were like, they got his name and the big headline is Atlanta monster. Yeah. I was like, Oh yeah. 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 Because I've seen the Atlanta monster at the top of podcast charts. It's one of the most popular podcasts ever. Yeah. Yeah. For a long time. Payne Lindsay. Made so Tenderfoot TV. Yeah. Now I'm, now I'm definitely, at, that's on my list now. I want to go listen to the podcast. Dude, so do I. Um, it's funny. I wonder, like, they had to have gotten such a massive boost out of this. But when he got out of the car, the guy playing Wayne Williams, I was like, why the fuck does he look so familiar? <laughs> yeah. And it's because he's the cover of the podcast. Yeah, and yeah. that's where I'd seen his face a million times because they were at the top of the charts for like a year. So the, the, 
here's another interesting piece that I didn't really know, but like I, I knew that Mindhunter was based on a book called Mindhunter, but the book does go into Atlanta child murder um, the, into that case. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. And so, and, and the FBI agent that wrote the book and like basically Holden is based off of this guy. He was essentially the, the wheels behind the behavioral sciences unit. Right. Uh, and in the book, I believe what he states, and, and I might get the number off by one or two here, but he basically was like, all the evidence pretty clearly pointed to this guy being responsible for, for at least 11 of the murders. Okay. But there were plenty that they that they, that they other... could not tie him to at all. Which is often the case with these ones. Which they like... then allude to at the end of the season, where when uh, when Jim, I think his name is... The uh, the black FBI agent, right, is now about to go. He or like comes up with the with the other leads about these two, basically pedophiles, who could all be operating in a ring, basically, right. That nobody ever bothered to 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 look into, investigate, and who's and where it sounds like a lot of the evidence was actually covered up. So you got that out there looming. Yeah, and to this day, the the twenty seven murders or the twenty nine murders, just cold cases man because you no, can't go no. back and solve them because they weren't worked properly then so there's nothing like this really really wild stuff it's super fucked up now um, here's the other thing they got wayne williams off the street and then the murder stopped so that's a pretty big piece of evidence in and of itself i would sure. say and well and that's why i liked the way they painted wayne williams in the show because i think it was like look this guy did something he did fucked. S- yes yeah clearly he was he needed to be gone that part seems <laughs> clear yeah the car thing alone dude and then he was so fucking cocky about like calling the reporters to his house and shit like that's all like classic serial killer stuff yes yeah um so yeah i don't know but it really it's this is a show that requires you almost to do a little bit of what you're talking about a little bit of after you've watched it you can't just it's not just what you watched right it needs context too you sort of almost need to be interested in the historical context surrounding some of this stuff for it to really make sense the frustration the lack of results or real conclusion all the all that because like what i guess the other takeaways from this season oh first of all i, I believe that tench's son situation is based on something that went down with like a real fbi agent really? if i'm not okay. mistaken i remember okay. seeing a headline somewhere that it was inspired by some situation that actually took place where an fbi agent adopted a child that ended up having some type of sociopathic issues um but that, I mean, the message there was pretty heavy too, man. Like, every, the season was hard because there was never a point where you were like, yeah. Yeah. It's all the, the darkness. And of it, it was, it was, it was pretty paced. Like, it was sort of slow. It was. It was. Um, but. But Mindhunter season one was a little bit of that too. Yeah. But you just had more, it just felt more like, uh, I don't know, in, in a vacuum season one. Was difficult to judge. It was. It was like it was very, very, very fucking good. But I didn't really know what they were going to do with it from there. Season two was very good, but it's. It was like it just wasn't. I guess it wasn't what I expected. Almost a little bit. Like yeah, it was. And it wasn't quite what I expected either. Uh, but they they did do. I, you know, I think they did some interesting things. It was really interesting to start getting actual looks into the personal lives of Tench and Wendy. For sure. When we kind of went in thinking that Holden was like kind of the main the. The big main character. because yeah, we got him season uh, one. And it, the other thing about it is, it, man, the show, I, I think that everything matters on this show. I think that they don't, I, I don't think they show you stuff that doesn't matter. And that's like very, that's very David Fincher-esque, basically, to like make it so layered like that. Right. I think you would probably, this is probably a show where you could go rewatch this season and get something totally different from it. Because- I bet you're right. Like the BTK scenes and- and like the like the scenes about, about our our main players' personal lives, mm-hmm. I think they're I think it all talks to each other. I yes. think they're all like riffing on like what's going on in their work versus what's going on in their personal lives and Dude, how no, that all interacts. And like exactly in, right because even you point out some of this stuff just with us sitting here having the conversation on the podcast, it starts to click and it make starts a to little, click a little like, bit. You're like, you're like oh, oh shit, okay, man, this is fucking deep dude yeah they're very good (laughs) they're very good at what they do that is why and so i think that's why the kind of the slowness and the pacing is the way it is and yeah it is the way it is and ends up working if you slow down and think about it a little bit because it all 
is is intertwined. I like basically. to put it this way: like you know, you, I mean, you read. Um, I don't know how much you read. I, I know you read more than me, which is very minimally. It's debatable. Every book, not every book is the same vibe. You don't read every book and go in expecting action book with like, you know what I mean? It's this. It feels like a book almost a little bit to me. Mind Hunter as a show. It's mm-hmm. a little bit slower. It builds. It's got these very large, huge, overarching things it tackles. Yes, that are all sort of intertwined. And you're right, man. It's it, like I I brought up the wire earlier, and I think it is a sort of decent comparison because it's sort of tackling this era almost more than anything. It's like, yes, it's about the crime. Yes, it's about the FBI and building the science. Uh, what's the name of their division? Or whatever, Behavioral Science Unit. Yeah. But it's also about America in the in that whole era and the whole the way racial tension was, the way uh, politics were, the way. I like that it digs into all that stuff and it sort of reaches into all these areas of society. Yeah, I and I think, we, you know, we've touched on this a bit, but origin stories and season ones in general right now, like there's so much TV working to grab our attention yeah. that like season ones are always like the, the new shiny thing, the new toy. Right. Like, so we're always bouncing around like, oh, The Boys is so good. Like, oh, like, you know, like there's yeah. always something new that people are raving about. And it's it's hard to keep that momentum. Uh, the show that we talked about first, Succession, is is doing kind of an uh, incredible, if not unprecedented, job at it. Um, uh, of course, you know, shouts to shows like Game of Thrones. But well, yeah, Fuck yeah. But the the origin story of season one of Mindhunter, I think, was always going to make season two. I, I don't want to say a disappointment because I because in the end, I don't really think it was. But it was going to be something different, right? Because in, because watching something that we weren't really like knowledgeable about getting built and like getting off the ground and becoming a thing is kind of incre- is is kind of fascinating and amazing to watch and you're like oh shit this is wild that that that, that this is what they did they didn't even have the term serial killer and they didn't have profiles for people and they didn't right. know to like look like they didn't know that people can just commit like sick heinous acts of violence for seemingly no reason right so that was all kind of like that that was also fresh and new and something cool to see and now it's like, well, now we're just continually like working on how this unit developed. But now we know it's there. Now we know what it's about. So the, I think I think we can probably expect more of this season two blueprint in season three, where it's about the character. where there it's about the characters and like developing the BSU at the same time as handling and, their individual and, story. Yeah, lines. and it wouldn't surprise me if we get like another big case ta- right. thrown into season three that is kind of like meaningful. And culturally relevant. And I don't. I don't know how the timelines stack up. I think Bundy is maybe already caught. But I'm rooting for this next one. I. I I'm total. I agree with everything you just said. And and really, in hindsight, I wish I hadn't. Caught, it's not. It wasn't disappointing. I was a little disappointed until we had this conversation, and now I understand it and better. It, I mean, it wasn't what it just. And I agree with you as well that it wasn't exactly what I what I expected from season two. But I also love conceptually. That the case we sort of tackled this year, the Atlanta child murders, didn't get solved. Yeah, and that was crazy. Uh, and I'm interested to see what is the central case in the next season. And then, are we going to continue to follow BTK? Um, for like how long? I think he will be. I think that as long as this show goes, he'll be back in the will, background. He will be like in the background. Yeah, man, that's fucking crazy. So like, what we obviously see at the end was like the first real confirmation that this is clearly the BTK killer. We've known for a mm-hmm. long time, but uh, when he's in the hotel room with his like woman like baby doll Asian mask thing, what the fuck is that? And he's got mementos scattered all over the bed from all his kills so far. God. And that is a confirmation that he is the BTK killer and is also fucking terrifying. Dude, if he's you still look, choking himself out in I, there. I, if you just if you just Google Dennis Rader, that's who the BTK killer was, yeah. man. This shit is so wild. This is so wild. This guy looks like you're like a run of the mill accountant. Yes. And it, he, I, I, I mean, it's just it's just it's just. It is mind blowing that somebody's brain can function like this. That 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 that. Just to start, that to get off, you need to choke yourself and wear women's clothes and put on a weird mask. By the way, that's all real. All of that. And then- Including the mask. And then look at mementos from people that you slaughtered. Like, I I, I don't know. This is, 
another huge part of this and 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 part of the whole true crime phenomenon that's that's been going on for the, the last five years is yeah. like why why do we like this stuff so much? Why well, are we so drawn to it? And, and it's I, and because it's fascinating to know how the hell could you like, get to a point where you made the decision to do that? Yeah, it, it's just it's 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 almost like obvious. I mean, this is probably a, a, a shaky comparison to make, but. For a lot of the same reasons that I'm so fascinated by like space exploration and movies like Interstellar or this new one called Ad Astra looks pretty incredible as yeah, well. Yeah, Brad Pitt. It's because it's so hard to wrap your mind around, right? Sure. And you, you like that kind of like that yeah. questioning. But here's the thing. So it, it, on a much darker level, it's like it, you're, it's the same thing. You're like trying to understand just like these guys on the show are. Like what? What could possibly make somebody like this? It's the it's the most foul and corrupted version of humanity that can exist. Is a human being who craves taking the life of other human beings. So it's fascinating to me because it is terrifying that that is a thing. Yeah. So you sort of almost have to make. It's like you have to laugh to keep from crying. Sort of like you have to make it sort of a focus. Like almost. A fascinating, like a thing that you're interested in, because that's it for me. Is it's about the, 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 the whole thing. The show is about why, and for each of them, it's a different answer. For each serial killer, it's a different answer, and there are a lot of parallels between a lot of them. A lot of mommy issues, a lot of childhood issues, and mental health stuff. Uh, but that's the fascinating thing for me. Why, and each individual case being different is fascinating too. And that's that's the thing that keeps me, I, me listening to all these serial killer podcasts and reading about them and doing segments about them on the Ross Boland podcast is that it's fucking insane. Like literally, it's insane that anybody could have could do these things that these that these people have done is unbelievably fucking wild. And man, the the BTK killer, it's crazy, Barry. You mentioned he what, it was two thousand five. He was arrested finally after he started resuming correspondence with police out of nowhere, um, that guy came in, or got caught, rather, right before the explosion of all this, right? Like, right before all the yeah. podcasts and the HBO documentaries and the Netflix documentaries, and it's like, damn, we really missed one there because he's one of the most insane, ridiculous, long-lasting serial killers in the history of our country, and I don't know that that much about him by comparison because he sort of hit like right before the fucking documentary wave mm -hmm. and he was so old and I think it was almost like disturbing to people that he never got caught and then sort of almost turned himself in in a way like that he got to fulfill his entire dream and life and complete the mission sort of, you know what I mean? That yeah, he did yeah. it his whole life. That really, really irks people and they don't like it. As much like I, it's not as interesting that he never got caught and got to do it his whole life. I am surprised though that there. I mean, like, well, we get six Ted Bundy movies and documentaries, but I haven't seen a thing about that's, BTK. Dude, There's got to be something in the works. That's what I'm saying though. Is that is odd? It's fucking weird how little you see about BTK, and that is why. And obviously, was uh oh man, what what's the what's the name of the movie that the uh, was Zodiac BTK? It was right. Zodiac, BTK. Was no, it that's B the Zodiac killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Oh. Different. Different different serial killer, yeah. Different, different. Okay. Zodiac, Dennis Raider, Raider, now. So oh, wait, no, it's the same guy. It's the same dude. Swear to God. I'm confirming right now quickly before we move forward and make no, an man, ass out of you and me. No, it's not. They don't, they, uh, nobody actually knows who the Zodiac killer is. I believe there's strong circumstantial evidence that serial killer Dennis Rader, a.k.a. BTK, is the Zodiac. Okay, maybe there's a rumor that or uh, whatever uh, theory that they are the same person. Wow. Or something. Well, this, well, the other theory is that it's Ted Cruz's dad. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. That was an all-time great moment in the history of American politics when uh, Trump accused Ted Cruz's dad of being, holy shit, the Zodiac. But yeah, Zodiac Killer is the pseudonym of an unidentified serial killer who operated in Northern California. Okay. Wow. Huh. But yeah, turns out a lot of people think it could be Dennis Rader as well. I don't know where I was going with that or what my point was, but the shit is fascinating. Yeah. And the show was very good, and I'm looking forward to season three and where Absolutely. they take it from here. And I like that we got enough development in Tinch and in, um, oh my God, what's her name? 
Wendy. Wendy, that now they feel imp- very important to me as well, just like Holden. Yeah. And yeah, I'm yeah. super interested in their personal lives, and I'm excited to explore more of that in uh, season three. Last, just quick note on Mindhunter, wh- while I was doing some research and reading about it, uh, the show was started with the intention of being five seasons. Oh, cool. So that's what we can probably look, look uh, By the look way, for. since we're here, fuck it. Barrett and I uh, have been talking about Dark a lot, right? And we, we did season two. One of our concerns was that uh, I hope they really know where they're going with it. It turns out they've always had a three-season plan and an exact ending. So there's always been a cap on Dark. It has never been something where they were just like chasing out into the fucking lost wilderness. So we're good. If you're worried about Dark, we're good. There is apparently a very finite amount of episodes and a very finished, completed story with a nice bow on it. I hope. I doubt it. There we go. Uh, And we'll all be very happy at the end of it, I'm sure. (laughs) Moving on, this episode of OCC is also brought to you by Public Rec, where indoor comfort meets outdoor style made from incredibly soft fabrics. Their pants especially can be worn from the couch to the office. They're awesome. I mean, that, that's that's kind of the point here. Public Rec's pants, like their all-day, everyday pant, are the ones that I have crafted for guys on the go. Whether you're in back-to-back meetings or heading to the gym or hitting the outdoors, you can do it all in comfort and style, whatever the dress code. Like, they look nice, but they're more comfortable than they should be based on how nice they look. More stylish than jeans, more comfortable than chinos. Uh, More stylish alternative to sweatpants, more comfortable alternative to jeans. It just depends. They've got all kinds of great options, uh, as I mentioned. My fave, if if you're like, I need one, give me one to start with. The all-day, everyday pant is incredible. It's the one that is a more stylish alternative to sweatpants and a more comfortable alternative to jeans. Incredibly comfortable. Free shipping, free returns. Clam fam, you get 10% off when you go to publicrec.com slash dragon. That's P-U-B-L-I-C-R-E-C, publicrec.com slash dragon. Go to publicrec.com, use the code dragon, 10% off your purchase, plus free shipping. And as I mentioned, if you're looking for a starter pants, all-day, everyday pants from Public Rec, phenomenal. Everything they make is great, extremely comfortable. Get your 10% off. Use that code dragon at publicrec.com slash dragon. Barrett. You're familiar with uh, the reboot of The Dark Crystal that Netflix did, are well, you? Well, I am because you told me about it on the way to the cinema to okay. see It Chapter 2. Okay, so, uh, long story short, I'm watching, uh, or I'm scrolling, moving through Netflix at one point, point. I saw The Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance, and I remember it sort of like rung a bell in my head. I was like, what is that? Why does that make, like, it just rings a bell. Why does it ring a bell to me? Moved on with my life. Weeks and weeks later, I'm talking with producer Mike, um, the guy that produces our show, one of the founders here at Permanent Record, where we record. And, or I heard him talking to somebody or something, and it, the Dark Crystal came up. And we were, we were discussing, and I got really confused, because I thought he was talking about this new Netflix deal, and it turned out he was talking about the original Dark Crystal, which is on Netflix, by the way, uh, and... I went and watched like the first half hour of this the other night with Tay, and I just wanted to sort of touch on it very quickly because it is fascinating. Uh, The other thing that led me to it, I forgot. There's a documentary on Netflix about the making of the original Dark Crystal, and it is this 1982 puppet animated dark fantasy adventure film directed by Jim Henson and Frank Oz. And it's, uh, I'm, I love Jim Henson and I love the Muppets and I'm obsessed with Muppet Treasure Island and a Muppet Christmas Carol, uh, or a Muppet Christmas Story rather. And, uh, those two specifically, that's kind of it actually. And so this was fascinating to me. I didn't know that they did Labyrinth as well. I didn't know that the David Bowie movie, the famous cult classic Labyrinth from David Bowie, I didn't know that was a Jim Henson deal. I didn't know Henson did stuff that wasn't the Muppets. So when I saw the documentary, and I saw the, the the trailer for it, and it was this woman talking about the thousands of hours that went into creating the costumes for this film, this 1982 ridiculous epic, The Dark Crystal. I was drawn in. So we ended up watching part of it, and wow. It's like if you were like, all right, I'm Jim Henson. I'm super, super successful, and I really want to make my own Star Wars. Yeah. And, and I, also, I've probably been like microdosing LSD. A lot. <laughs> Macrodosing? The, all of the drugs. This is for drugs. That's what this is. Now, I realize that Dark Crystal has a massive following of people that do not do drugs. So, uh, excuse my joke. But if you want to do drugs and watch something, might I recommend The Dark Crystal? It is creepy as fuck. Yeah, as soon as you started telling me about Dark Crystal, I was like, this sounds like Labyrinth with David Bowie. 
and um, Bowie. Bowie's in space. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, this shit is wild. And what, one of the things that we joked about was how they clearly like spent lots of money on all the designs and the sets and the puppets and all that. And now 40 years later or however long it's been, 30, 35 years later, uh, the stuff just looks like trash. Oh, God. The animatronic and the puppetry and yeah, all yeah. that is... It's it's bad to our 2019 eyes. It looks like the things on stage at, at Chuck E. Cheese. Cheese. Yes. Um, it, and also, uh, Labyrinth is like one of Laura's favorite films. And so, you know, I, I watched it recently because it was like on the, it was one of the options on the free Southwest I've movies or whatever. I've still never seen Labyrinth. And, oh man, it's, it is, it's not a good movie. Like okay. it's, it's. It's one of those. I might put it in like a good bad movie. It's so bad and weird and David Bowie and Jim Henson on That's acid how this stuff. Is. That's how this is. That you're kind of like, well, okay. Okay. It's got so- dance numbers. There's a whole song called The Magic Dance where it's like the babes in the crib and the babes in the thing. And David Bowie's like dancing with all these puppets and it's just like out of control. But yeah. So Dark Crystal sounds a lot like this. Okay. So this is that. It's not good. It is weird. And it's something about it that people are drawn in by. And for the first 10 minutes, Taylor and I just sort of lay in there. Like, full disclosure, uh, I was a, a little high on the pots, and she was totally sober. And so we have two good, different dynamics there, is my point. And 10 minutes in, I'm like, all right, I don't know what's happening. I don't know where this is going, but I need to watch this entire movie. And I was worried that I was going to look over and that she was going to be like, what the shit, you stoner fuck, let's turn this off and watch something uh, that's good. She was the exact same way. Her reaction was the same. She wants. She was like, "Let's find out what happens to Jen." Jen is the main character, maybe the worst protagonist in the history of protagonists. It's like if uh, I what did I, was, I tried Link, to make a joke. Link from if Zelda. Link from Zelda had uh, estrogen pills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'm funny, but uh, it is awful. But it's so weird. And clearly they spent so much time making it that you sort of get drawn into it. And it has this incredible cult following that ends up resulting in the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance, this thing that Netflix premiered in August of this fucking year, which is why you maybe have heard more and more about this recently is because that just came out. Um, Now, I'm looking it up really quickly to confirm, but I believe another one of the ironies here is that the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance, and yes, it is, all CGI so Jim Henson went through the trouble of doing zero CGI and spending like his entire goddamn life building these intricate puppets on acid. <laughs> and then they just were like, I just do it with the fucking computers. And they brought back Jin as an old Jin. It's fucking unreal. So now the thing is, this, this is the shittiest part of this all. I have to finish it <laughs> and then I have to watch this stupid new thing because I feel like I have to. If it's something that millions of people have fa- been drawn to and found joy in, I have to know why. I feel obligated. I mean, it sounds like you're quite enjoying it, though, if, if you feel so that obligated. Yes, but in the same way you just explained Labyrinth or any of these other weird cult classics. Yeah. In a way that you're like, I hate this and also feel the need to consume it. I don't know why. I can't explain it, but that's the weird fucking thing that I'm watching right now. Dark. Crystal. This episode of OCC is also brought to you by Raycon. Raycon wireless earbuds. It is 2019. Everybody needs a great pair of wireless earbuds. But before you go dropping hundreds of dollars, you need to check out the wireless earbuds from Raycon. These are a game changer. Uh, If you're like my dad, clinging desperately to the past and running around with wires dangling from your ears, bouncing all over the place as you jog every day, that is sad. It is time to join us in the future, which is the present. Speaking of which, Raycon wireless earbuds make a great present. These start at about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market, and they sound just as amazing. The company was actually founded, co-founded by Ray J. Celebrities like Cardi B and J.R. Smith and Snoop Dogg are obsessed with it. They're, uh, the E50 wireless earbuds have totally changed the game. They're very, very comfortable, super easy to take anywhere. And unlike some of your wireless options... Uh, They're both stylish and discreet, and of course, they're incredibly affordable. And they don't just look great, they sound great too. No dangling wires or weird stems popping off the sides or anything. They're fantastic. Fun range of colors, unbeatable price. Raycon offers their wireless earbuds for everyone in a fun range of colors. Go to buyraycon.com. 
slash dragon. Get 15% off your order. That's buyraycon.com slash dragon for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. If you've been eyeing a pair, now is the time to get an amazing deal. B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N.com slash dragon. Barrett, anything else you want to drop on us before we skedaddle? Before we skedoodle? No, no, that's really it. I've I have been I have been knee deep. No, nay. Neck deep. Nay. In it, succession, and Mindhunter. So so deep, in fact, but you're that, I, to sleep. That, that I haven't even watched this week's episodes of Bachelor in Paradise. Wow. So, you know? What a huge I don't bummer. Even, I don't even have a segment about Bachelor in Paradise. I was and, and so looking on. forward to the the uh, the full, you know, the three-minute version of what's happened on yeah, it so far. Yeah, no, I don't even have it. Maybe don't next week, Barry. Maybe next week. It's possible. Maybe next week. And that will do it for today's episode of OCC. Huge thanks to our sponsors, again, for supporting the show. Make sure you support our sponsors to support us. If you ever hear a read and you're like, that's an interesting product, go to the URL, check it out, use the code, make a purchase. That is the number one way you can support us here at Oysters, Clams, and Cockles. And if for some reason you don't need the greatest products known to man, which are brought to you by the sponsors of this show, then you know where to support us directly, patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. As we have mentioned time and again, Already available on there if you sign up right now. If you go and you pop five bucks in and join the Crustacean Nation, you will immediately gain access to Succession in Depth, our first half analysis of Succession Season 2, Movie Club, It, Part Chapter 2. That is already available as well. And then later this month, you will get the Righteous Gemstones Season 1 analysis. And then if you're in the Mollusk Militia, a hotline call extravaganza episode as well with the uh, Mollusk Militia exclusive hotline being the only place we pull calls from. Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. Follow us on social media, on Instagram, at Oysters, Clams, Cockles, on Twitter, at Clams and Cockles, and on Facebook.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles for updates on the show when new podcasts are dropping and the best in TV and movie content that you can find on the whole of the internet. You can follow me, Ross Bolin, at W-R-B-O-L-E-N, at W-R-B-O-L-E-N, on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat as well. And then my other podcast, the Ross Bolin Podcast, also presented by Bolin Media, is available in all the places that you're listening to OCC, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. And uh, every week we talk about, it's a comedy and humor show. We laugh a lot, just like we do here at OCC, but we talk about mental health and addiction and substance abuse and animals and pirates and current events and history. And we get into a lot of serial killer stuff as well. And uh, it's a lot of fun. We have a good time there. So if you have more hours in the day for your ears to get filled with delicious audio content, there you go. The Ross Bolin Podcast. Barrett, where can we follow you on the social mediums and also hear more of your voice? At Barrett Dudley on Instagram and Twitter. Um, On Twitter, I've just been really talking about who I would say has usurped Kanye as the voice of, uh, of a generation. That's Posty. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah you've been yeah. really going in on the new Posty album. Huh? Yeah, it's just yeah, Posty is uh, yeah. Well, he's just Posty. What more can you say about that? Um, that album is good for a week and then it's trash <laughs> every time. That's how he rolls. Um, yeah, and then check out Club Cool. Uh, we I anticipate recording a new episode this later this evening. In fact, where I believe that we will touch on some of the style that we've seen on Succession because oh, yeah. it's been we've been out of the office. You know, we've been out doing rich people casual things. Yes. And there's been some some Lukes, people, some L-E-W-K-S, some Lukes. People have been say. serving them up. Serving Lukes. Uh, yes. uh, it, it, is, it is fucking hot fashion so, out there. Uh, so yeah, at Club, at Club Cool Pod on Instagram and uh, just search for Club Cool wherever you are listening to OCC. We appreciate y'all. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with even more television and movies. Looking forward to it. Adios, muchachos. And muchachas. Ooh.